Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for being a part of this time of worship together today. This has seemed to sort of fall into our new normal, and we're still trying to figure out and understand what all is going on, but I am so proud to be a part of this congregation, this faith community, and the way that we are reaching out and trying to make such a difference in our community. There's going to be more stuff, as we've shared so many announcements today, there's going to be more stuff coming up in the days and weeks to come of that that we are reaching out into our community to help feed the hungry and to show appreciation for what all everyone is doing. And so you are making all of this possible. And so we could not be more thankful for you and the way that you continue to support the work of God in these trying times. So as we prepare once again to go into diving into God's word, once again, let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I give so much thanks and praise for the way that you are at work. I give thanks for the faithfulness of your followers, who even when we face times of uncertainty, we still cling to that which we hold true, that you are the Lord of all creation, the maker of heaven and earth, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and everything in between. And so, Lord, may you reach into our living rooms, our bedrooms, our kitchen tables, wherever we find ourselves right now. And let us know that you are here. You are with us. And you are the one that makes us one. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth? And as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into a word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. This Easter season, we are going through the gospel stories and looking at all of the different times that Jesus appeared beyond the tomb. We know that on Good Friday, he died and was laid in that tomb, but he did not stay in that tomb. And so we believe that in each one of these times that Jesus appears, there's something important that we can learn from that. Two weeks ago on Easter Sunday, we began by considering how Mary encountered Jesus there at the tomb, but she did not yet realize it was him until she finally looked up. We've got to look up in the midst of our circumstances and to see that God is all around us right here and now. Last week, we give thanks for Pastor Brad who came and told us that continuation of that story from the Gospel of John where Jesus appears to the disciples as they are gathered together in the upper room with the doors and windows and everything closed for fear. But there Jesus comes and he breathes upon them. Sort of bringing to mind the image of of God breathing in the breath of life. Or the breath being cast upon the dry bones. And we see that they cling to that breath that they receive. But there was one that wasn't there with them. Thomas. And so Thomas comes back and finds that they have encountered the risen Christ. But he is not. And Thomas says those words that he would not believe. 
until he sees the holes and puts his hand in his side. But then we know what happens a little bit later. Jesus once again appears and he shows Thomas his wounds. And Thomas professes something that no one else had done. My Lord and my God. See, that's what happens when we encounter, have a true encounter with the resurrected Christ. And so today, we are turning to a different gospel. We're looking at Matthew's account, and each one of the gospels tell things in a little bit different way. And so today, as we're looking at Matthew's account, we have the whole story that takes place just in the verses before that where we picked up today. In the verses preceding where Pastor Corey read just a few moments ago, we have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who are making their way to the tomb on that Easter morning. And the scripture says that there was a great earthquake and an angel appeared as the stone was rolled away. Now, what's remarkable about this that we sometimes can miss is that a stone that would be covering the tomb would be very large and it would likely weigh somewhere between two to 4,000 pounds. That's one to two tons. And to move that stone would require great effort. Now, to cover the tomb, it would probably not be as difficult because many times in the ground, they had created a groove that it would roll along. And it would oftentimes, in the open state, would be up a little incline. And so it wouldn't take as much effort to roll it down the little hill in the, in the groove to cover the tomb. However, to move that stone back up the hill would require Tremendous effort. Well, tremendous effort when it comes to our God means that even a two to four thousand pound stone can easily be rolled away. Now, the guards that are there, there are guards that have been placed at the tomb. And the scripture says that when this all occurs, that they shook and became like dead men. They were paralyzed, paralyzed by their fear paralyzed by not understanding what is going on. But I'm not sure that anyone could understand. Because the angel then speaks to the Marys and says, Do not be afraid. He is not here. He is risen. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him. Now the scripture says there that when they hear this message, they leave the tomb. And I find it fascinating the way that Matthew writes this story. They leave the tomb with fear and great joy. Can you think of a time that maybe you've experienced both of those things at the same time? Fear and great joy? I mean, one that comes to my mind was just last summer when I was here for my very first Sunday to be in ministry with you. I was filled with so much fear. And yet there was still also that great joy. But the fear and great joy that the Marys are experiencing in this moment is, is so curious to me. For they have been told the good news that he is not here. He is risen. And so as they're making their way back to let the others know, they then encounter Jesus. And he says to them, something that we hear in the scriptures 365 times I've been told, do not be afraid. Go on to the others and let everyone go to Galilee where I will meet you there. Do not be afraid. 
Now, here's where we pick up with the passage of Scripture today. And this is where we pick up with this conspiracy. And so the guards go and report to the chief priest everything that has happened. You can only imagine how terrified they are about what has happened. They've witnessed the impossible. But not only what has happened, what's going to happen to them? And so, because they have fallen down on their job and not done what they were told to do. And so, as they report all these matters, the chief priests call all the elders together. And they begin to, to talk and figure out what, they've got, what they can do. Because they've got to do something. Nobody can be telling this story of what has happened. And so, they devise this conspiracy plan. And they tell the, the guards... You just need to say something like this. You see, what had happened was we were falling asleep. And while we were asleep, the disciples came and stole the body away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. That's what had happened. And so they, to get the guards to be able to say this, they give them this large sum of money. Which is remarkable because it has to be a large sum of money. Because they're lying about themselves. They are saying that they have fallen down on the job. And this might bring severe consequences when the governor would find out that they had not done the very thing that they had to do. You had one job. So the chief priests and the elders, they assure these guards that if the governor is to find out and if the governor is to come to punish you, we'll win him over. Let us take care of it. You just tell that story. See, that story, that was a conspiracy to create doubt. And doubt crushes a lot of hopes and dreams. See, the purpose is in creating doubt is to, to destroy the way, is to destroy the story. And I wonder how many of us have had our hopes and dreams crushed by doubt. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our own abilities. Sometimes we doubt others. And sometimes we even doubt if anybody even cares. And so we carry our troubles on our own instead of sharing some of those worries and fears. Doubt crushes our dreams before we even have a chance to try to live them out. And they were hoping that this conspiracy would create doubt. Because doubt would kill the movement. Look at all the doubt they had already created. When he was hanging on the cross, crying out, if he truly is the Messiah, wouldn't God have already saved him? Yes. They're working up this conspiracy to create doubt. And it began to spread. The, they posted on Twitter, Facebook, Insta. And it was being known by everyone. In fact, it's fascinating. Matthew is written, his gospel account is written at least 20 to 30 years after these events have taken place. And Matthew feels it important to even write in the scriptures there that this doubt, this conspiracy, this lie was still being told at the time of this writing. It's this conspiracy of doubt. But as the scriptures continue, it says that the disciples go to Galilee. They go to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. <laughs> they worshiped him, but some doubted. 
Is it possible to both worship and doubt? Can we hold these two things together? Now, this word distazo that is used here in Greek, it means that the, the, the only other time that it's been used actually is when Jesus calls Simon Peter out onto the water and Simon Peter comes walking out to him, but eventually he sees the wind and the waves and he sinks and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saves him, but he then says, you of little faith, why did you doubt See, this word in Greek could mean boggle. It could mean falter. It could mean hang back. It could mean waver. It could mean pause. It can mean doubt. Some of them doubted. Was it the conspiracy? Was it the lie that they had heard that they believed that and thus they were able to worship but then still doubt? Maybe they had fallen to the whole point of the conspiracy to try to kill the movement. But knowing that they doubted, I would almost expect that Jesus would then say, Ye of little faith, why do you doubt? I can almost picture Jesus just lecturing them about why they need to be people of faith. I can hear Jesus almost admonishing them to release their doubt and embrace the hope and the truth of the life in him. But that's not what Jesus does. To this group of people that both worshipped and doubted. That's not what Jesus does. What Jesus does to this group that doubted and worshipped. Instead of admonishing them. This is what he says to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. and Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you even to the end of the age. See, even in their doubts, he sends them. He doesn't say, wait until you're 100% sure and then go. See, our God is a God of decisive action. He says, go. And somehow over the centuries... Followers of Christ have somehow missed this part of his commandment. Somehow we've gotten it wrong that we built beautiful places and expecting people to come to us instead of us going to them. Sometimes we sit by idly waiting for people to come so that we can then make disciples. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus called on his people to be fishers of people. And sometimes when we just wait for people to come to us, it's kind of like gathering, taking a rod and reel and casting it into your bathtub, waiting for a fish to jump in. He calls them to go, to go, and to make disciples of all nations. And we see that during Jesus' lifetime, he was always on the go. Jesus was constantly moving from one place to the next, going to Jerusalem, going to Galilee, going to Samaria, going to Tiberias. He was always going to where the people were. Yes, sometimes in the scriptures we see and find him in the synagogues, but so many times he is out and about. He's going. And so here, there at Galilee, he tells his disciples to go. Go make disciples of all nations. Not just the ones that look like you. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to love even as he has loved them. See, he says to them, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I can't help but continue to go back to that passage of scripture that we always read on Monday, Thursday. When Jesus says, now I give you this new commandment. That you would love one another even as I have loved you. Go, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them all that I have commanded you. To love one another even as I have loved you. See, the last thing that he says I think has to be my favorite. That you would know, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You are not alone. We all probably have favorite names that we refer to God by. I think my favorite name that I refer to God as is Emmanuel. God with us. Because I'm reminded then, we are are not alone. And this is the same God that comes alongside of us even when we worship and even when we doubt. This is the God that comes to us and promises that, lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. This is the God that is with us always. You know what? When I know that I'm not alone, there's so much more that I can do. Sometimes I may doubt in myself, but when somebody comes alongside me, Sometimes we become unstoppable. Years ago, I used to really be into weightlifting. I'm sure you look at me now and you say, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) And so I would get up so early and I had this one friend that we would always meet at the gym about five o'clock in the morning. And we'd go to this gym and the gym that we were at had the weights were downstairs in a basement area. And so we'd go down the stairs and we'd lift weights and it'd hardly be anybody around the gym at that time of the morning. And the people that were were upstairs on the ellipticals or the bikes or treadmills. And so we were downstairs and there was all this noise upstairs and we would go downstairs and we'd lift and we'd encourage each other, one another, and we'd be able to do our stuff. I'm sure you're really not really buying that I actually used to do this now the way I'm even talking about it. One morning, my friend couldn't make it. And so I went down there to go ahead and lift without my friend there. And there was nobody down in the basement area of the gym that day. But that wasn't going to stop me. And so I put all the weights on my rack. I put the clips on the end. And I laid down on that rack to do my bench press. And I started counting them out. I started counting them out. And I'm lifting. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. But then, inevitably, something happened. I got stuck. I started realizing on the last rep that I couldn't get it all the way up. And I got it. And I kept going. And I couldn't get it even to the next little slot that I could drop the weights off. And soon they came down on my chest. And I could not even try to roll it off. I was stuck on that bench with the weight pressing on my chest. And all I could do is say, help, help. Nobody could hear me. Nobody was downstairs. And I was stuck there waiting, waiting, hoping, praying that someone would hear me crying out, help. And finally... Somebody came, they heard, and they came down, and they helped lift the weight off of me, and we put it back on the rack. 
And they soon admonished me for lifting on my own without someone there to spot me. But in that moment, I knew. I knew that when we're on our own, sometimes the weight becomes too much for us to bear. Sometimes the weight of doubt, sometimes the weight of fear becomes so overwhelming that we cannot press on. But today, I want to say to you, if you find yourself in the midst of worship and doubt, and if you feel the weight is pressing on you so much that you cannot do anything else, it's all right just to whisper, help, for Emmanuel has come. Emmanuel has come, and lo, he is with you even until the end of the age. So today, hear these words that Jesus gave to those disciples. And let us find the ways that we can continue to live that out. To go, to be people of action. People who are never content with enough. People who are always going to press on until every heartbeat on the face of the earth knows the name of Jesus Christ. People that with every heartbeat on the face of the earth knows the love that God has for them. Go, make disciples of Jesus Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them of the love of God, of all that he has commanded them. And know that, lo, he is with you, even to the end of the age. In just a moment, we're going to offer a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me. But today, I also want to ask, if you're one of those people that is struggling with this worship and doubt, or maybe worship and fear. Maybe you find yourself trying to struggle between those two different things. I want to invite you, whisper help. You can email me, leadpastor at oumcmail.com, because I want you to know you are not alone. For everyone that is here in this room has experienced doubt. And it's something we all will struggle with from time to time. But I need you to know you're not alone in this. And so feel free to email me, leadpastor at oumcmail.com. And express in honesty that doubt, the weight that is pressing on you. And together, I pray that we'll be able to lift that weight together. So today, let's cry out help if we find ourselves being held down by the weight of that doubt. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we know that if you would commission a group that even doubts, you will send us. And Lord, we know that sometimes we listen to the lies. We listen to the conspiracy. We listen to the doubts and they become a part of us. But today, Lord... I give thanks that we have a God that comes to us even in our doubts. And not only a God that comes to us, it's a God that sends us. So Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you might equip us today. Somehow, whether it's virtually or in new creative, imaginative ways, help us to find the ways that we might be able to do this very thing that you have commanded, that we might be able to go and to make disciples of Jesus Christ, teaching them all of your ways, all of your love, and knowing that we are not alone. Lord, today there may be somebody that feels the weight of that doubt pressing on them ever so heavily. God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to simply say, help, help. For you're the God that comes 
You are our ever-present help in times of need. And so right now, in this moment, as they proclaim help, Lord, I pray that they may feel a strength that is not their own, but surely must be a strength that comes from you. God, we offer all this today in the name of the one who saves, in the name of the one who comes, in the name of the one who sends, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Spirit which he shares with us. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.